This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. Today we're going to be think, talking about God. I believe the greatest thought that any of us will ever have is the thought that there is a God in heaven. Well, what kind of a being is God? What does the Bible say about God? I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss that subject today. What kind of being is God? I'm Billy Lambert. I'm the regular speaker on Getting to Know Your Bible. And I want you to know that we're delighted that you're watching today. Stay tuned as we discuss this very timely, challenging Bible sub subject. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course, and I emphasize the course is free. And in order that you might know more about the course and how you can receive it, we want to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free In 1 Peter, the fifth chapter, in verse 7, the apostle penned these words about God, casting all of your care on Him, for He cares for you. There are a lot of ways that we can describe the God of heaven. God can be described as a God of great love and compassion. And I am so thankful to know that God loves us. Why, in Jeremiah, the 31st chapter, in verse 3, He told His people in ancient times, I've loved you with an everlasting love. That's a lot of love, isn't it? You see, God loves people. He's not angry with us. He's angry with our sins. And if we continue and persist in our sins, then God of love becomes a God that's going to avenge himself and take vengeance upon us. God said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. And then Romans 11:22 says, Behold the goodness and the severity of God. So there's those two sides of God. And there's a side where God loves us and cares for us and does things to help us not only in living our lives and gives us all good, perfect gifts that come down from above, James 1:17, but He gave His Son that to save us from, from eternal ruin. So He's a God of, of love and a God of compassion. But God is also a God of mercy. And oh, how thankful I am for the mercy of God. He is rich in mercy. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. And when it's all over, 
that upon which I will depend on the day of judgment is God's mercy. Uh, I told this little story once about a man who died and went to heaven. And according to this little story, the man was told to enter heaven, you have to have 100 points. And so he said, well, you know, I've attended church every Sunday. And, and most of the time I went on Wednesday night. And, and when our church had a gospel meeting, I would attend most of the services of that meeting. I, I read my, my Bible every day and I prayed every day. And I even talked to my neighbors about going to church with me. I, I had one to go one time, but most of the time they didn't pay much attention to me. And he said, I tried to be good to my family. I tried to be a good citizen here in the community. And what I want to know is how many points is all that worth? And they said one point. He said, well, then what I'm going to have to do is just throw myself on the mercy of the court. And he was told that will be 99 points. You see, in the final analysis of things, when we stand before God at last, on the, at the end of time, we're going to have to rely upon the mercy of a great God. Our God is a God of mercy. Now, God is one who cares about us. It may be that some of you right now feel as though no one cares about you. And the world may turn against us. And we feel like no one cares anything about us anymore. But rest assured, God cares. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 says, Casting all of your care. That would be all of your anxiety, all of the things that you're worrying about. Turn those things over to the Lord. Why is that? Because He cares for you. Isn't that a wonderful thought? To know that we serve a God who is concerned about us and cares for us. You say, well, I don't feel like that, Brother Lambert. Well, that's because you are human. But God wants you to understand that He cares what's happening to you right now. And we need to put our trust and our faith in Him. In the Lord put I my trust, Psalms 11 and 1. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Most of us lean on our own understanding. And that simply means that we depend on ourselves and we don't depend on God. I can rest assured that you, and, and, and telling you this, that it's, this is a truth. I would not be preaching today if it were not for God. It is God who has given me the physical strength, the, the, the health and the strength, and I hope a little bit of mental alertness to continue to preach the gospel in my age. And I, can, I intend to do so until the Lord shall call me home. And so God is the one who helps us. He cares what happens to us. He is a God who cares. Well, how much does God care about us? He, he cared enough to give His Son to die on the cross to purchase the church. Now, the church is not an accident. I know there's some think that it was a sort of an afterthought of God. We're told by some people that since the Jews rejected Christ, that God did not set up the kingdom as He had previously planned to do so and even predicted in the prophets He would do. 
but rather as an emergency measure, he created the church as sort of an afterthought. But that's to reflect upon the wisdom of God Almighty. There are so many things wrong with that concept about the church or the kingdom that we have not time to discuss it. But the church was in the plan of God in eternity. Listen to Paul in Ephesians, the third chapter, verses 10 and 11. To the intent now, under the principalities and powers in heavenly places, might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, we can talk about God being eternal. We read passages like in the first verse or two of the 90th Psalm where it says that God's from everlasting to everlasting. And we may not fully understand that, how, how God is eternal, has no beginning, has no end. You, you, you might as well look for the cradle and the tomb of God as look for his beginning and his end, but you'll never find it. God is eternal in nature, and Jesus is from everlasting to everlasting. Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2. Jesus even said before Abraham, was I, was I am. Jesus was with God in eternity in before the world was ever created. And, and so God in eternity had the church in his eternal purpose. That means that there's never been a time that God did not have it in mind, meaning that Jesus Christ was in the mind of God in eternity to die upon the cross in order to make the church a reality. Daniel made a prophecy about the church or the kingdom of God. In Daniel, the second chapter in verse 44, In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, it shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. It shall stand forever. In the second chapter of Daniel, there are four great world empires that are contemplated. The Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire, and then the Roman Empire. And it would be in the days of that fourth great world empire, during the days of the Roman kings, that God would set up a kingdom which would never be destroyed. It was in the days of those kings that John the Baptist came out of the wilderness of Judea preaching, and this is what he said, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He meant it's close by. It was there presently, but it was coming. And then when Jesus began to preach, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it was upon the day of Pentecost, recorded in the second chapter of Acts, that the prophecy of Daniel 2.44 was fulfilled when the church or the kingdom of God came into existence. It wasn't that there is no difference between the church and the kingdom. The word church means a called out. That is, that's a relationship of God's people to the world. They've been called out of the world to follow Jesus. The word kingdom shows the governmental feature of God's people. Christ is king of kings. The Bible is the law of that kingdom. And all of those who are born of water and the spirit, according to John 3, 5, become citizens of that kingdom. And so Jesus Christ came into this world to die for the church because God cared. 
When Jesus died on the cross, Jesus purchased the church. And it was bought out of love. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. How much does God care? God cared enough to allow his son to come into this world and to be betrayed, crucified, buried in a borrowed tomb and raised from the dead on the third day in order that the church might become a reality. It's blood bought. Listen to Acts 20, 28. Take heed unto yourselves and all the flock over the which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers and feed the church of the Lord which he has purchased with his own blood. The church is a blood-bought body. The blood of Christ is confined to his spiritual body. Just like the life-giving blood is confined to my physical body, the soul-saving, cleansing blood of Jesus is confined to his spiritual body, which is called the church. That's how much God cared. But God also cared enough that he was willing to supply us with blessings. And we all have blessings. Even the worst rascal in town enjoys the blessings of God. Every breath of air is a blessing of God. You see, the Bible teaches that God allows the rain to shine on the good and on the evil, the sun to shine on the good and on the evil. And in James 1.17, there the writer says, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Everything that we own, everything that we have is a gift of God. Well, someone says, well, I'll have you to know, preacher, that I work for what I have. You can't say that it was given to me, that it was a gift given to me. I suggest to you, According to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18, it was God who gave you the power to get wealth. Were it not for God, we wouldn't have the things that we have. What we need to do is to be more thankful and thankful, more think about what God has done and be thankful for what God has done for us. In everything, give thanks. God has blessed us so richly in America. This is the most wonderful place in all of the world to live. With all of its faults, with all of its defects, with all of the blunders that are being uh, done in our nation today, is still the best country in which to live. And that's a blessing. But the blessings that I'm more concerned about are not physical in nature. They are spiritual in nature. And these are called spiritual blessings. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, first of all, these blessings are located where? In the world? No. In Satan's domain? No. They are located in Jesus Christ. Every spiritual blessing that God affords man, gives to man, is found in Jesus Christ. That simply means that if I want those blessings, I must be sure, I must be certain, I must make my calling election sure, 
I must be sure that I'm in Jesus Christ. And the way we get into Christ as penitent believers in him is putting Christ on in the waters of baptism. Someone says, Brother Lambert, there you go again, talking about baptism. Well, that's how we get into Christ. I want those blessings. Know you not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Christ, did put on Christ. So I'm clothed in Christ because I have had my sins washed in his precious blood. Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord, Acts 22 and verse 16. Those blessings are numerous. And they're too numerous for us to even go all over all of them in such a short period of time. But one of those blessings that we have in Jesus Christ is the blessing of salvation. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. Salvation is in Christ. Well, if salvation is in Christ, Paul, tell me how to get into Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into, I-N-T-O, into Christ, did put on Christ. So we baptize into Christ to obtain those spiritual blessings. There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Romans 8 and verse 1 reads, There is therefore now no condemnation. To them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. If that's the case, how do I get into Christ so that I'm not condemned? Well, I'm to be baptized into Christ. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Then another blessing we have in Christ is we become new creatures in Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, there, there is therefore now... That therefore you are a new creature in Christ. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. Well, if I'm a new creature in Christ, Paul, tell me, tell me, Paul, how do I get into Christ? Well, Paul says in Galatians 3, 26 and 27 again, we're baptized into Christ. Don't you see? Those, that's where all these blessings are to be found. Victory is in Jesus. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory is in Christ, through Christ, with Christ. I want to be clothed in Jesus Christ, don't you? You see, we, we need to be so thankful for God who cared enough for us that not only did he allow his son to die on the cross to obtain our salvation, he, 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 he cares enough that he has provided all these spiritual blessings that we're talking about in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are blessings that you cannot buy with money. You just can't buy a single one of them with money. You cannot buy your way to heaven. In, in 1 Peter, the first chapter, in verse 18 and 19, there, there Peter said, For as much as you know, that you're not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, received by the vain conversation of the tradition of your fathers, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. If we cannot be redeemed with silver and gold, if we cannot buy our salvation, if we cannot buy our redemption, well, pray tell, Peter, how do are we redeemed? We are redeemed or bought back from the devil by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. I owed a debt that I was not able to pay. 
and Jesus paid my debt of sin, but, but he did not owe that debt. And hence it is a matter of God's grace that Jesus Christ died to save me from my sins. You see, God cares about us. He cares what happens to us. And God cares enough to provide us a home at the end of the way, an eternal home. And I am so thankful that I have faith enough that I believe if I serve God faithfully to the end of my life that I'm going to have an eternal home. I may not understand all there is about heaven, but one day I shall. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1 that, that, that we have this tabernacle, this tabernacle of clay, and that eternal in the heavens. For we know that if we have this earthly tabernacle, that we know that we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. We have a heavenly home. You see, this is not our home. We're just passing through this old world. Solomon Ecclesiastes 12 talked about man going to his long home. We're going to into our eternal home. This is our short home. But I do know the Bible teaches that there is a place prepared for those that are Christians. Jesus even said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus said, don't, don't ever question the fact that you, I'm preparing a place for you in heaven. And our going to heaven is contingent upon Christ coming again. He said, I, go to, I will come again. I will receive you unto myself. And Jesus is right now at the right hand of God in heaven, uh, seated to the right hand of God. So, so God has provided that home for us. How badly do we want to go? I have to have my name written in heaven. The 70 went out on what we sometimes refer to as a limited commission. And when they came back, they were rejoicing because they said, the devils are subject to us in your name, Jesus. And he said, don't rejoice in that. He said, you need to rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And God is keeping a record of all of those that belong to him. He knows those who are His. If He knows every hair, that He count all the hairs on our heads, surely He can keep up with how many children He has. You see, God cares enough that He's provided a place for us to go when this life is over. If I did not believe in heaven, living the life of a Christian would still be worth it all. It would still be worth all the suffering that, and toil that we may endure. But knowing that heaven is real, and it is real, I believe it with all of my heart that it is real. One reason I believe it is real, because man has always longed for such a place. There's that longing, that tugging within man for a better world than this old world. I believe it is real because man is not adapted to stay in this world. It, the, the very fact that some of us are younger and some are older is indicative of the fact that, that we're just passing through and eventually I will come to the end of my journey on this earth. But I believe heaven is real because that's exactly what the Bible teaches. If you did be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. That's written in your Bible in the third chapter of Colossians, 
verses 1 and 2. Heaven is real. Why? Because God says it's real. Jesus says it's real. The Holy Spirit has inspired words written by inspired men that tell us that heaven is a real place. It's just as real as this cup I hold in my hand. It is just as real as the watch I have on my wrist. Heaven is a real place. I may not understand all I want to know about it right now, but there's going to be a time that it will be revealed to me. In 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, Paul said, I have not seen or ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, all of the things that God has prepared for them that love him. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, he said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are nothing compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. When we think about all we have to put up in this old world, and there's a lot some of you are putting up with nobody knows anything about, the, the, the troubles that you may have, family problems, financial problems, other problems. Maybe you've had a loss in your family, and, and you suffer silently. But I want you to know that heaven's going to be worth all we put up with in this old world because it's going to be our final dwelling place. And one day, one day, We'll be home at last. Won't that be a wonderful thing? But for it to be my home, I must be in the family that's headed that direction. And to be in that family, I must be born into that family. Jesus was asked, what shall a man do to be born again? And Jesus said, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. You see, we're talking about how one gets into God's family. God cares for your soul. Jesus cares for your soul. The Holy Spirit cares for your soul. The church cares for your soul. Preachers care for your soul. That is, if they are faithful gospel preachers and they preach the truth of God's Word, if they're more concerned about souls than they are shekels, they, they care about your soul. And you, need, you need to know that even heaven is con con concerned about your soul and cares about it. While we're told there's joy in heaven over one sinner that repents more than 99 people that need no repentance. But Satan also cares about your soul, and he wants your soul, and he wants you to be lost with him for eternity. But do you care? Do you care enough that you believe on Jesus, repent of all your sins, confess your faith in Christ, and be baptized into Christ, and then live a faithful, dedicated life as a servant of God and as a member of his body or the Lord's church? Jesus said, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. I want to thank you for watching, uh, getting to, to know your Bible today. And we want to right now invite you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. You say, well, I'm not certain, Brother Lamb, where it might be located. Well, why don't you contact us? We'll get that information for you. And right now, please, please pick up the telephone. Call for the free Bible Correspondence Course. Do that without delay. Pick it up right now and call us right now. And, and you can take the, the course online, incidentally, if you prefer not to have it in, in a written way. So whatever, however you take it, let me urge you to call and get it, the information you need for getting the Bible course for yourself. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.